I do believe that what you eat is a foundation to healthy living and kindness. When you have cruelty-free foods on your plate and those cruelty-free foods are good for you, you're being kind to your body and you're being kind to animals and you're being kind to the planet, those three prongs, like you're, they're just kindness all around. There's nothing negative about what is on your plate. Welcome to another episode of Follow Your Kind Podcast and today I bring you another beautiful friend of mine. Her name is Nicole D'Andrea. Nicole is a vegan, plant-based, registered dietitian, a yoga instructor, a wellness coach, a grocery vegan grocery store tour guide and just an amazing, beautiful person with uh, just a wonderful uh, worldview and perspective. I hope you enjoy our conversation. We talk about uh, Nicole's vegan story which is one of the unique stories I've ever heard <laughs> uh, she also shares um, 53 reasons why you should incorporate more plants into your diet and we of course wrap it all up with kindness I hope you enjoyed the episode and if you think of any other people that you would love to hear from you would like me to have them on the show please shoot me an email at christina at followyourkind.com and I will try to get them on thank you Today to have Nicole, uh, my new friend from Vegan Lady Buzz crew. Hi Nicole. Hey, hi Christina. So good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming over. And uh, I don't do this often, or I don't think I've ever done this before. But I would like to start uh, with a reading from your blog that um, I just really think speaks um, loudly about how you approach the topic of plant-based nutrition and lifestyle in general. And it says, I believe that the foundation to living our best lives comes from plants through their healing energy around us and, through, and the nutrients we receive from them. Plants have the power to heal the mind, body and soul, helping us feel positive, energized, vibrant and connected. Through plant-based eating, we make conscious decisions and engage mindful practices. These practices lead to compassion for ourselves, the planet, and other beings, helping us to live wholly and completely. This is so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's truly what I feel. Um, yeah, I just feel like it, the plant-based eating just lays a foundation for so much for ourselves, just taking care of ourselves first and foremost, and then through that we can take care of others. Yeah, I love it. Um, so the name of the, my podcast is Follow Your Kind, and this is a big um, reason why the name is the way it is. Uh, and I'm so much, very much inspired as well by the plant-based nutrition and vegan lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And for me, being kind to our bodies through the plant-based lifestyle is also the expression of being kind to the planet and to the animals and to those around who we set this example for and mm -hmm. spread the, the message of love and kindness and non-cruelty. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay, so I think so far you win the award from the people that I know about the most unique story uh, for becoming vegan <laughs> because uh, what I learned is that you have started a vegan business before being vegan and I don't think I've ever met a person who did that and then through learning about vegan things through your vegan business, then you turned around and became vegan. Can you tell us your story? Yeah, it's like the um, light bulb went off a little bit late in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little backwards in the way I approached this. But um, 
but I'm grateful for every step of the way. Um, so yes, when I have my background is dietitian, nutritionist, and um, through that I always believed in whole foods and plants. I knew that plants were a part of healing the body, mm-hmm. um, but I never fully embraced a vegan diet until um, in 2007. I started playing with chocolates in my kitchen because I love dark chocolate as well. So I'm like, let me mix some of these vibrant plant-based foods with dark chocolate when dark chocolate started getting media attention about its health benefits. Mm-hmm. Do- Were you already an RD at that time? Yes. Okay. I, I was an R. I started um, working as a dietitian, or I should say got out of my internship, um, a nine, long time ago. I'm going to date myself in 1995. No so, way. Um, so yeah, at the time I had been a dietitian for what's oh. it, 17 years. Wait, is that right? 17 years? Yeah. Um, 12 years. 12 years. So yes, at the 12 year mark, I was working as a clinical dietitian Mm -hmm. and making chocolates in my kitchen. And um, because plant-based milks um, were just coming out on the market, I mean, there was soy milk and there was rice milk. um, They were just coming out on the market and I knew that they were healthier than dairy and cream. I wanted to make vegan truffles and I was like, let me use soy milk instead of this saturated fat cream that causes heart disease and you know just be a healthier version so my goal initially was let's make a healthier version use because and plant-based foods will lend to that healthier version mm-hmm. so um fast forward two years later i ended up launching the company nico bello organics and um it was just after two years of work in my kitchen trying to find somebody um as a co-packer basically to make the chocolates for me because i, I had the recipes down but mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily want to have my own kitchen space so you developed the recipes for the vegan chocolate yes on your own i did this and then pretty cool but they were very i mean they defined the word organic they were they looked organic and they were not pretty and they tasted good i went to local farmers markets just to kind of test the idea and um they did taste good and there really wasn't a lot on the market at the time in terms of like vegan healthier truffles like a creamy rich truffle mm-hmm. um but it wasn't until i started working with like an actual chocolatier when um, when i got a, a, a co-packer that i realized that they could have been improved a lot <laughs> so we worked together so i had the base recipe and then i worked with a chocolatier and um we developed like a final recipe together mm-hmm. just because you, you know there's a lot of food science that goes into it and i didn't quite know exactly what i was doing i knew nutritionally what i wanted in it but i didn't know how you know to blend all the foods to make it perfectly creamy and delicious. what what were nutritionally your goals and what were some of the like the chemistry tricks along the way that you learned that make a good chocolate good chocolate that's a great question um so nutritionally i just knew that i wanted um the most high antioxidant foods I could find in it. So mm-hmm. I was choosing foods like blueberries, walnuts, pumpkin seeds, things that would, I was thinking, you know, in terms of like cardiovascular disease, I saw a lot of um, um, patients with cardiovascular disease. So they were on my mind and, and patients with diabetes. So I wanted to keep them low in sugar so that they could be a treat for everybody and have healing properties. And then also like anti-aging, I was getting older. So I was like, I want something anti-aging, good for your skin. So there's so many like different elements and everything led back to plant-based foods. You know, I have to add plant-based foods to this chocolate. And then dark chocolate already had the powerful healing qualities and antioxidants. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew that. And then when I was working with folks who understood the food science part of it, they were like, well, you can't, you know, you have to lower the water content. We, we played around with different types of plant-based milk, soy milk, rice milk. Rice milk was really high in water, so the shelf life, I mean, they would get moldy within mm-hmm. a couple of days. We played with soy milk a little bit, then we ended up going to um, 
a combination of coconut oil and coconut milk. Um, that was kind of like the final result um, with all of the experiments, but a lot of it was based on water content. Um, and then also just kind of getting that creamy mouthfeel and that's where the coconut oil came in mm. um, and, and lended to that creamier feel that you would get with like a, a cream based product. Um, so yeah, it was nine months of, after I initially developed the recipe, it was nine months later that we worked together. We were like, okay, this is it. But it, you know, it's, it requires shelf testing and a lot of things that, um, I'm like kind magic. of like a throw it together kind of girl. Like I like cooking. I'm not a good baker cause I can't follow directions. <laughs> and I'm with you in that. Yeah, it's fun. I think it's, it's funny. Like you know, I just like cut it all together and does it taste good? No, at least a little of this, a little of that. But, um, yeah, baking is very precise and chocolate is very, very precise as well and very temperamental. So like when it when water looks at chocolate, it just like dissolves, like it's just not a good product anymore. So um, so there were a lot of steps to follow that I knew I didn't have the patience for. <laughs> that I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Um, <laughs> so that's why I started working with the chocolatiers and they, I learned a lot, but there's like a lot of shelf life testing and just so much that's involved with the food science and that I gained like such a huge appreciation for that mm -hmm. whole process and learned a lot. I mean, I learned so much from so many people and I was just a novice, you know, I'd been a dietitian for a lot of years. So I was like, all right, I know I want nutritionally, but going into the actual food manufacturing industry, I was at square one and did not know anything. So it was just all about asking, like connecting with people, going to food shows, asking questions. How do you do this? How do you go from making, um, 50 truffles to making thousands, you know, I had, you know, goals of mm -hmm. going bigger and, you know, just so many questions and you just have to, I think, be very vulnerable and, and okay with just asking people. Cause you know, you just start from scratch and you know, that's how you learn. So I had that a lot is of so items. interesting. I cannot, I did not even know where to start like making chocolates. What are, what are like the biggest differences between, you know, the, the handcrafted chocolate that that's plant-based and actually has like antioxidants versus, I don't know, Hershey pieces or something. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of chocolates that, um, it's so important to look at the ingredient labels with chocolate and a lot of them might say dark chocolate, but there's still maybe dairy in them, may mm -hmm. have milk solids mm -hmm. or, um, then there's different reasons. There's like people, uh, companies add ingredients for mouthfeel. A lot of it's shelf life. Some of it's fillers. So you're not getting like a pure product. Mm -hmm. So my recommendation was always just look for pure cacao solids and maybe organic cane sugar. And, you know, even soy lecithin is, um, a stabilizer that they put in or emulsifier that they put in chocolate that you really don't need. And I mean, I didn't know this before I had the chocolate company, I was buying whatever dark chocolate was out there. But, um, you know, really, I think there's so many amazing options right now on the market mm -hmm. for craft chocolates, you know, chocolate makers, people who are actually getting the beans and making it from the beans into a bar. And um, many of them use just pure cacao and organic cane sugar. And I think really that's all you need to make a really phenomenal chocolate bar. I mean, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes with the farms and that's a whole mm -hmm. other conversation, you know, with their roasting and, and fermenting and, um, but there's just some phenomenal chocolates out there that just have simple ingredients. So I think it's just look for simple ingredients and the benefits, I mean, of chocolate that has other stuff in it, get the, the, it loses its benefits. So the more that you've got more ingredients that aren't so healthy that are replacing the cacao, you're losing the cacao benefits in there. So it's important just to look for those two ingredients. Um, I mean, maybe it has like, you know, it's a chocolate almond bar, so it's cacao, organic cane sugar and almonds. Um, but if you see like milk protein, obviously it's not vegan, mm -hmm. but then also milk protein, 
a milk solids bind to the good qualities of the dark chocolate. So there's like a double whammy there where you're not only getting the dairy, but you're also, it's also, you're losing completely the health benefits of the dark chocolate because it binds to it and you don't get that benefit anymore. Oh, that's so interesting. So it's interesting. Yeah, there's so much to be learned about. It's such an interesting um plant product like yeah. there's just so much to learn from the farming methods to the, the end result so okay so look for as simple of ingredients and as much cacao content if possible mm -hmm. and then uh so you said what are the the biggest um kind of positive traits or benefits of of cacao or chocolate antioxidants and what else definitely antioxidants i mean it's got flavonoids and then there's theobromine the flavonoids i mean there's just so many powerful benefits of those from preventing heart disease there's been show there's been studies that show that dark chocolate can help um, prevent high blood sugar and diabetes um, definitely helps with the mind so just mm -hmm. getting clarity and focus um, preventing neurological diseases down the road. Um, it helps to increase something called nitric oxide in our blood, which increases blood flow and circulation. So there's a lot of benefits to it, just dilating our blood vessels, which can help everything from, if you imagine your blood vessels are dilating, you get more blood flow to your skin. So there's skin healing benefits. There's lowering of your blood pressure. There's more nutrients getting to all of your organs. So, um, yeah, I mean, the benefits are just really endless. It's got so many, it's got hundreds of antioxidants that are just even yet to be discovered. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so it's a long process, but keep an, yeah, if you keep an eye on the science and just see what's out there, you'll just continuously see that there are more research studies surfacing about dark chocolate and the, and the um, nutritional qualities. Well, that sounds like I got all the excuses I needed to eat as much chocolate as I exactly. want. Exactly. <laughs> like, eat it up. Yes. Do not be shy about eating dark chocolate daily. It's good for you. Oh, I love it. Okay. So, and now how, at which point did you learn enough or when were you exposed to the information that made you, uh, made to make a switch towards a vegan diet? Right, back to your original question. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I, I was... Um, I moved to California from Philadelphia to launch Nicobella because I thought that being a vegan company, since the chocolates were vegan, the California market would be a great market to start. They're progressive and mm -hmm. forward thinking. And um, also I just needed a really great excuse to go to like the warmest place in the country <laughs> and, you know, go to Los Angeles versus Philadelphia. I was done with my Philadelphia winners. So, so you make a company so everybody can eat more chocolate and then you move to California so you can be warmer. I mean, that, those yeah. are all great excuses. <laughs> exactly. It all makes perfect logic sense. It made sense in my <laughs> mind at the time. Um, so yeah, so through the company, because it was vegan, we had um, animal welfare organizations reaching out to us to donate product. And you know, animal welfare organizations do a lot of charity events where they have auctions, mm -hmm. um, where they'll have fundraisers, and they often ask for companies to donate product to help them raise money for their cause. And um, so, I mean, I was super excited. I've always been into animals. So the fact that I wasn't vegan yet, it just never crossed my mind. I never put the correlation of the food on my plate was, you know, a living being at the time. And even though I had the dietitian background and everything, like it just wasn't registering from, from that sentient being mm -hmm. perspective. And I went to, we donated 
product to a couple of Humane Society events and Mercy for Animals. And one of the Mercy for Animals events, I'm forever grateful for Mercy for Animals, not just for everything that they do, but just because of this one event that changed my life. Um, we went to a, one, of their, um, one of their fundraisers at someone's home. And I was initially just so excited because there were so many vegan items up for auction. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like all of these items were... I was just like, it opened my eyes, first of all, to the vegan community, what, what else was out there besides just like me living in my chocolate world. And um, <laughs> I mean, there were like handbags and just just so many ethical brands there. And it was mm -hmm. just, you know, that was really cool. And then they turned off the lights and they showed the video of the dairy industry, which I was not prepared for. And um, at this time, actually, when I when I moved to California, I was... I was giving up fish. So in like 2009, I had I was I was doing more fish anyway. I actually hadn't eaten meat in a very long time prior to that, just because, um, I mean, I was exposed to a bad piece of meat many, many, many years ago. So I had given up meat a long time ago. But at the time that I moved to California, I was eating fish and, and dairy products. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, going in that direction. Um, and then when I moved there, I'm, I'm backpedaling a little bit, but when I moved to California, I had read an article from PETA about fish being sentient beings. And it was in that moment that I had given up fish, but I was still vegetarian when I went to this Mercy for Animals. And I want to expand on that just for a second. What was it about that article that made you make that switch? To give up fish? Yes. Just that they had feelings and that they, um, the article just described fish as sentient beings that they have feelings and their um, intelligence and how they communicate with each other and I had no idea like I I mean I had been eating fish and you know I was like oh salmon's healthy for me I'll have that a couple of days a week it's got omega-3s and from a nutritionist perspective that was you know my choice of protein um, and for the most part and then some dairy um, because it didn't have eyes in my mm -hmm. mind you know dairy didn't have eyes that was fine to eat and, but when I read that article, it made such a big impact. And I just like felt so bad for all the fish that I had eaten at that time. It just made, one, made me want to cry. And I was like, I can't do that anymore. And then when I saw the Mercy for Animals video with the dairy industry, I was like, oh my God, how am I supporting? I had no idea. And I had a couple of friends who were really amazing, who were already vegan in California. And they... Um, we had had some conversations about dairy and I remember they were like very gently saying to me, so why don't you give up Parmesan cheese or why don't you do in my, and I would not, not knowing before I saw this dairy industry video, I was like, well, why, you know, I, I, I don't really need to give up cheese and I'm Italian. I'm, I put Parmesan on everything. Why would I give up cheese? Like that's how I grew up. That's my culture. And I cannot give up Parmesan cheese. And, um, they really kind of planted seeds, but they weren't pushy about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, I mean, if they, if I had known about it at that time, I probably, if I was educated, I feel like I probably would have made that decision. But seeing that video was just so impactful. I mean, all I needed to do was see the, the cows and the mama cows and what happens during that process. And I was done. I was like, all right, no more, no more dairy. So yeah, so that, that was just, um, so through Nico Bella, I'm, I'm forever grateful for the company just because it, it that it it led me to where I am now, and I never felt better. Like I never felt. I thought I was healthy, and it. I really had so many. I I didn't realize like my skin looked better when I went vegan. 
um, my digestive issues were, I had issues before because I was eating protein and I was eating, you know, fish or cheese and constipation, all of that, like, you know, everything flowed better in the body. Like I just felt better, um, more energy required less sleep. Like there were so many things I was like, I thought I was doing really good and I didn't know until I went vegan. I was like, wow, this is actually what it really feels like to be truly healthy, but not even like, I mean, yes, what I'm putting in my body, but also mentally, I felt so good about my decisions. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so Nico Bella brought me to where I am now, but yeah, it was like the vegan company came before my actual lifestyle. That's the really cool. Lifestyle. I think that's one of the most unique vegan stories I've ever heard. And also like what you said is that, you know, that you didn't know how good you could feel. And I think that's, I think it's really like one of the reasons that a lot of people are not trying or not as open to this lifestyle as they could be because they, they just don't know how, how good they can feel and how mm -hmm. easy it can be and how how good they can feel emotionally as well about the, the ethical side of not having to sacrifice a life of a sentient being in order to sit down and have like five minutes of pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you don't know and you get, I think it's very easy um, to get into this cycle and I was there into a cycle of like eating, you do, you get five minutes of pleasure. I was like an ice cream fiend. I love as, as much as I try to eat healthy, that was my vice. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, I can never give up. Like ice cream, the dairy thing was hard. That's for a lot of people. And you do, I mean, it's got an addictive, it's got addictive properties as well. So you get like this dopamine response and you get very happy and excited, but there, but there is nothing like the happiness and excitement that you get when you go vegan, you know that you're doing good for your body and the planet and for animals. Like mm. that dopamine response is way higher than any amount of ice cream or cheese that you can possibly eat. But you get into this cycle of um, not knowing that you're not living as healthy as you could possibly be because you just kind of, you're in this mode where you're used to, you're you kind of like at this baseline mode where you feel like you're healthy. Right. And then when you make the switch, you're like, wow, no, this is actually what it feels to like really live vibrantly. Yeah. Like you realize your connections with people are better. You're more focused. You just feel more vibrant mm -hmm. and, and radiant through life. And yeah, and I think, like, for me, so I, I grew up in Ukraine, and, uh, like, I've, I mean, with, like, neighbors in the summer cottage or something, like, I saw neighbors who had, like, cows or goats or chickens, and it was, like, I remember I used to have all this dissonance about, like, as they loved animals, and they were so cute, and, like, all the cows and goats, everybody had names, and, but then they would, like, go away, mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like when I made the decision, and when I became vegan it liberated that part of me that I was numbing for mm -hmm. so long mm -hmm. the justification that it's okay to raise and love animals and then eat them mm -hmm. and I feel like when I didn't no longer had to do it it liberated me into freeing and feeling the emotion of that not being okay and finally right. accepting that because that I don't think is okay. It does not make sense. We don't need that for survival. Right. You know? So I think that's kind of another part because you, you kind of like a free, you free like the little limb of your soul that you have to numb for your whole life if you're trying to do these two things at the yes. same time that don't coordinate. Right. It's not jiving with like, yeah, two things that are not jiving with you. And yeah, that's so true that you do feel very liberated and free. Like it's just a release within you. And I think that's like a a piece of what helps you live just like wholly and yeah. completely, you know? 
I love that. Um, so another point that I wanted to bring up, so I know that you're not only a registered dietitian, but you're also a certified yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, as we talked a little bit prior to the recording, I think it's very interesting because I, I don't know, I don't know, I think it's quite unique for people to be able to think scientifically, but also creatively and energetically at mm -hmm. the same time. And I feel like in, in those two or three or 10 components combine in you uh, with your education, but then also your ability and, and understanding of yoga. And another thought and another thing that kind of caught my attention was on your uh, blog, on your post, after introducing yourself, you have this little exercise, the visualization exercise, mm -hmm. where you ask people to close their eyes and first visualize a bowl of vibrant, healthy plants of all different colors and then kind of see and feel um, what it is that they're feeling and perceiving from that mm -hmm. and then kind of do the refresh, clean slate and then visualize a plate with like a piece of meat on it and trying to observe observe the energy from that. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely get that, but it's pretty cool because I don't think I've ever like heard or tried this kind of exercise. And so talk, talk more about that because mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I think just initially the thought came from I wanted to put up a visual for people to see what a plate of meat looks like. And, you know, maybe it's like white processed carbohydrates, meat and the standard American diet, you know, the sad diet. Mm -hmm. um, it has no color. It has no vibrancy. It just looks kind of dead on the plate. And then, I mean, it literally is, but, and then I wanted to compare that to the vibrancy of, of the colorful fruits and vegetables. And, uh, but then I didn't want to put meat on my, I didn't want to have the visualiz visualization of, of meat actually be on the page. I did not want a photo of that. So I'm like, let me just have people close their eyes and, and just envision that what that looks like and how that energy, how they perceive that energy. Because when you go to, um, when you go to a supermarket, a grocery store, a farmer's market, and you see these vibrant, colorful fruits and vegetables, I mean, you, I, I don't know if this happens to everybody, but I know it happens to, I'm sure it happens to you and I'm sure, you know, I feel it, but you just get, you feel the energy and you, those colors, I feel like light up something in you. And then those colors also translate to your body. So what you're eating, that's, you'll hear a lot of people say, you know, eat all colors of the rainbow is because mm -hmm. every single color offers a nutritional benefit. And um, so, I mean, you know, visually you look at them and they give you energy and, and, you know, just like flowers, like you look at flowers and they give you this beautiful, like, I, I feel like they, they translate this energy back to you. Um, produce does the same thing when it's so colorful. So I just wanted people to feel that and to recognize that same thing happens when they put more plants on their plate compared to something that is lacking in that color and doesn't have that same vibrancy. Um, because plants are so energetic mm -hmm. and they just bring so much to us energetically and just foster so much healing. And if they can first visualize that, then maybe they can put that into that visualization into action you know they can feel that yeah because sometimes you have to feel it and sometimes it's hard to make people or to you know suggest that people make changes because as you just mentioned before they're so used to eating things that make them feel good immediately to make that change is really difficult and challenging um, but if they can first visualize how that change is going to make them feel 
if they're already stimulated by it by without even making the change, then that making then incorporating that change might be a little bit easier. Yeah. And so I think what I got also from this exercise, um, I think we have so much intelligence and I don't think all of it is housed in our brain. Mm -hmm. So I think when we think about what should I eat for breakfast today and people are like, oh my God, where I'm going to get my protein. I think that (laughs) comes from the brain Mm -hmm. or when people are like planning their dinner and their picture and their plate separated in four quarters and they're trying to picture of okay protein what I'm going to eat for protein and then what I'm going to eat for grain or whatever carbohydrate and what I'm going to eat from here I think it also comes from the brain and I think we need to learn to completely disregard <clears throat> the other kinds of intelligence that we have like the the emotional I don't know how the best to to name it maybe like the heart intelligence or the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and also our gut intelligence so the intelligence that comes from our bodies mm-hmm. and I think what that exercise um reminded me is you invite people to surpass or kind of overstep their brain intelligence that sometimes gets in the way instead of being of service and you invite them to tap into their body intelligence and instead of thinking about what it is that they should be eating you ask them to feel what it is that their body best responds to so I, I thought I thought it was so cool. I love your response even more. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's like very visceral and yeah, it, it's more powerful than the brain telling you what to do. Yeah, because you think from like a different center mm-hmm. that is the center that it will be receiving the actual food. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like your gut is telling you mm-hmm. what you actually need, literally, like figuratively and, and literally it's telling you what it needs. and. Um, You're so right. I mean, kind of just getting out of your head a little bit and thinking about, oh, I need this protein and this, you know, you have to getting out of the logics of it and just like kind of feeling what that food's going to give you. That's great. Thank you for that explanation. Thank you for the exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are there any other ways um, that you think that your yoga certification or rather your practice of yoga helped you to realize or get closer or... I don't know, implement the plant-based lifestyle that that kind of maybe crosses with the other things that you do. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, I think the two go hand in hand and yoga can definitely lay the groundwork for just being more mindful. Um, I used to be a really big overeater and um, just since I was a kid, I mean, going back to the Italian thing, my mom would put a plate of pasta on the table and I would not leave the table until the entire pound of pasta was done like it just I I don't know I I guess it was like a taste bud thing I just always wanted to I love like um, I just love the sensation like most people of good food and um but I also want to feel really good so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a delicate balance between the two but I did I overate for a long time and um yoga really helped me recognize my full point and also just make better decisions like I don't really want that sugary dessert in my body I I don't I'm not feeling like my body's no longer craving that I just think the more that you practice the more you become aware of your body's needs and um you know going back to the visualization you can get more in tune with like what that feels like but it just makes you just more aware of yourself and your body's needs and you end up making better decisions along the way for you, for yourself. 
and um, you could just recognize you have a better recognition of like what's not going to be healing for you and what what you know is going to be healing and um, it comes with time like I think it's not like an overnight thing like you practice yoga and then you're making a good decision I think that it's like a continual practice and it doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be like you have to join a yoga studio and practice an hour and a half every day or an hour class. I think it could be something as simple as just practicing some meditation, some mindfulness, getting on them if you have a yoga mat, get on a mat for 10 minutes, just to silence yourself mm -hmm. and maybe move your body a little bit, get in tune. I think, you know, um, I'm getting older, so I can really, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I, I a lot of people you know get up and they're feeling like pain and or like in your joints and things i think when you oh, yeah. work through that and you physically feel better then you can um it helps you to just like be more mindful in your everyday you just feel when you physically feel good you can make better decisions mm -hmm. for yourself and i think yoga does that but again like it doesn't have to be a full extensive thing it could be like a 10 minute commitment during the day and I think if you consistently do that three to five days a week um, you'll start to notice some differences in how you perceive things I mean with food and with relationships and and everything in life you know things that once made you really mad or like you had like an automatic um, response to something you might just like sit back for a second and think well do I want to respond to that or like and you might just even perceive it differently um, so yeah I feel like it's really powerful and it doesn't be, like I said, a big physical practice. It could just be like a silence meditation, mm -hmm. you know, and um, that's still a part of it. Uh, yeah, it's really effective. I love it. I think I just thought about it. I didn't think about it before, but the, I think right about the same time as I was transitioning to vegetarian diet, I actually think that was after I started practicing yoga. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not like by any means like a professional yogi, but I've been doing it pretty continue consistently I would like sometimes takes like months off and then on and off but mm -hmm. that's definitely preceded my becoming a vegetarian so I definitely think mm. it shifts you and, and as you said I think it helps you get more attuned with your body mm -hmm. and maybe as we just talked about helps you to kind of awaken the bodily intelligence yes um, and kind of feel what is right for you rather than think what is right for you it does you're exactly right yeah I think there's a shift mm -hmm. between just like getting out of your mind and getting more into your body and just getting in tune with everything that it needs yeah yeah that's, that's really cool I love it I love it the conversation where it's going it's, it's a lot of fun <laughs> I know I love that you're <laughs> translating everything so well to and articulating everything so no, Perfectly. you're too. Okay, so tell me, uh, so Nicobella, you transitioned to vegan diet, but now what's, tell me where you're going now, because now you're starting a new chapter in your life. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Yes, so um, after 10 years with Nicobella, which was very lovely, and as I said, it changed my life for the better, um, I decided I just didn't want to manufacture chocolate anymore. Um, there was a lot of, of course, with any, owning anyone who owns a business and you know your business here on the side it's a lot of work that goes involved to it into it and um a lot of nico bella was you know working with retailers and making sure the product was on the shelves and i just had since going vegan um i just had this like burning desire inside of me that i just needed a platform to express more about veganism and the lifestyle because my values i mean i still am very much 
you know, a nutritionist at heart and, and love plants for the health benefits and love the healing power of plants. But my personal motive shifted when I went vegan to being more animal welfare driven mm -hmm. and then also the environment. Um, so I feel like, um, I felt like at the time I just, I just wanted a platform and I was doing that a little bit through Nico Bella. I, it was a chocolate company and it was vegan. So I was writing posts about the environment plant-based eating for your health, plant-based eating for animals, but I feel like as a brand there was some confusion and I just couldn't completely unleash in the chocolate company, in the chocolate world. So um, so yeah, so I ended up closing Nico Bella in November and um, side note, if anyone is interested in purchasing it, it is up for sale and um, it's well established. Um, and we'll include so, the links in the show notes for those who are interested. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you. And I started Purely Planted, and um, that was in November, December timeframe, right as I was closing Nico Bella. And um, it felt so good to let one thing go and start another because I feel like I can just use Purely Planted as a platform to do just really what's at my core right now, which mm -hmm. is just help inspire people to eat more plants for their health wherever they are in, in this moment, whether they want to eat more plants for their health or if it's animal welfare driven or if it's for the environment. Um, whatever that reason is, I just want to help inspire them and get them over that hump and, and fully equip them with what they need to get to that lifestyle. Because I feel like all three prongs of plant-based eating for the animals for health and the environment are equally important, but everyone's driven by different motives. So yeah, and then I feel like, you know, as you get deeper into it, then all of three of those motives become important for people as they get into the lifestyle. But there's usually once you're getting into that, into the plant-based eating and, or incorporating more plants, most people do it for health, um, but there are, you know, there mm -hmm. are others that are just dive right in because they're in it all for the animals or, you know, whatever the reason. Um, but yeah, so, so Purely Planted has started. I, I have lots of ideas for it. I mean, right now it's just basically content driven mm -hmm. as you were just reading. So it's purelyplanted.com. Yeah, thank you. It's purelyplanted.com. And um, so it's blogging, social media. Um, you do coaching. I do coaching. Yes, one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I want, my goal this year is to get more group sessions together. Um, so I would love to do... In my mind, I just have like a lot of ideas. I just need to get them down and schedule it on a calendar, but like a 21-day plant-based eating challenge for people to get started. So it's basically, we, we are all on the same page. We're gonna do like breakfast, lunch, dinner together. We'll have a mapped out plan. Um, there will probably be some like positive affirmations, visualizations, mm -hmm. yoga, mindfulness involved, because I think that's a really core component of it as well. Absolutely. Um, having morning rituals, like, you know, the way you start your day is kind of the way your day is going to go. So starting with all of that, like, just like could be like a simple affirmation and a good plant-based meal mm -hmm. and that kind of sets the pace for the rest of the day. So I would just love to get a good group community together to do this together and help anyone who is trying to get over the hump and get into this lifestyle and feel their best while helping animals in the environment. Um, I just think it helps a lot when there's a community Absolutely. support system. And I'm glad you said that because I think, <clears throat> and I just recently learned uh, more about it. Um, I think there is uh, some 
maybe misconception about the value of like individual um, wellness sessions and like group wellness sessions or challenges because usually it's thought of well individual is that VIP style and then the group is like well there's like a bunch of people and you're just one of them but really what I've learned and I've spoke to several wellness coaches about it that um, when there is a group when you're a participant in the group and there is that accountability there is that uh, peer-to-peer learning and Mm -hmm. exchange of information that research shows that the success rate of those who uh, success rate of any kind of challenges or life changes for those people who are a part of the group is usually higher than those of the individual who who are followed like just one-to-one program even though they have that one coach accountability partner but being a part of the group enhances their chances of succeeding so I thought that's really cool that is really cool yeah that's great to know and that's um yeah I mean there's just so much support when you have peers and I feel like it's a little bit less intimidating because when you have one person just kind of you know you're going back and forth Mm -hmm. with one person I feel like the pressure and if you don't have the family support it can it can be challenging um so by having a group together where you can exchange ideas and you know my ideas might be very different than somebody else's people in communities bring in these like vegan communities there's so many different ideas that we're all always learning from each other Mm -hmm. so I never feel like I'm the expert in these situations I want to be able to like at least just create a platform to be able to guide people. Create the environment. Yeah, create the mm-hmm. environment, guide people, but bring others into the picture because they what they're experiencing, challenges they're experiencing may be different from mine, may be different from somebody else, but it, or maybe somebody else relates to their challenges and then they can brainstorm ideas together. We can all figure it out together. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, coming together. as a, So it makes sense what you're saying because it just seems like it becomes, that support system becomes like a family and helps motivate and yeah. create more ideas. Absolutely. So something else I really wanted to note, well, first of all, I just admire your courage with like everything that you've done and like starting the chocolate company from like scratch and just figuring out how you do it in the kitchen. And then (laughs) after that, having the audacity to not let that stop you, that you just invested 10 years of your life into chocolate company and continuing to pursue your passion and standing up for exactly what it is you believe and you know, investing your time on where you can make the most impact. I think that's mm-hmm. so cool. And mm-hmm. it reminded me of something I was just um, uh, listening to this um, other podcast, Rob Bell, I love him. And he was talking, him and Elizabeth Gilbert were having a conversation and they talked about endings. It was like mm-hmm. their New Year's uh, conversation. And I think that some, there's something so beautiful that he said that it doesn't have to get bad in order for you to be able to stand up and end it. Like mm. you can end things while they're still good and it's okay if you know it's the right thing to do. And I think that's like so that. cool that you didn't like force or you didn't wait until you were like completely frustrated with chocolate or mm. until, I don't know, the business ran out of business mm. that you are like realizing and the moment that you can do something bigger or maybe something that aligns with your mission just a little bit better mm-hmm. and you have the courage to end it while it's still good. Thank you. I think yeah. it's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, um, I felt like like the 10 year mark was good and, and I was getting to a point where I was just like, I knew that it was time, but, mm-hmm. um, but thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I think it gets back to the yoga thing a lot, to be honest with you. It's just kind of, I don't know if I would have been able to do do that and like stop something and feeling like I put a lot of um, 
time and energy into it and then start something new. But I think you get just in tune with like burning desires and what you really want and what's really at your core. And um, yeah, I, I really attribute a lot of it just to kind of being mindful and daily. It just really helps you to kind of envision what you want to do and helps you to follow your path. Um, but that said, I don't really know where, you know, I hope that Purely Planted continues to go on the path that I wanted to, but it doesn't matter. Like right now, all I care about is like getting that content out. And I just, I love it so much that, um, and connecting people, connecting mm-hmm. with like-minded people like yourself and, um, just, you know, creating this community that's so important to like lift others up to in, in the same arena. Um, but yeah, so thank you. No, yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, you already have like things that you're doing. You're doing the personal nutrition coaching and the follow up and the diet analysis, the diabetes education, the kitchen makeovers, the grocery shopping. I mean, you're already a- are able to help people in like such a unique way. And all of the services are available on the planted, uh, purelyplanted.com um, <laughs> blog for those who are interested. But it's not like you're doing nothing right now. You're doing amazing things and creating content, as you said. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's it's definitely, the plant-based arena is fun. You know, it's yes. just like there's, I feel like there are a lot of opportunities to dive into different areas. Like if anybody wants to get into the plant-based arena, there's so many areas that you can dive in and be a part of the community and do good things. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to talk um, just for maybe a few minutes specifically about the reasons to eat more plants. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you have not one, not two, not three, but 53 reasons <laughs> why people should eat more plants. Um, and as you said, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, different people come to this lifestyle for different reasons. So you mm-hmm. said some come for health, some come for environment, and some come for animals. And the way I look at it, it's like it's the same room. It just has three doors. Maybe like some of the some of the hallways, maybe just a little longer. But eventually, it like leads to this one room in the middle. And I feel like it, people can come through a different door, but eventually, if they stay for a while, they're probably gonna get like on all of the causes. You yeah, know, so I love that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so I came. I originally started on this journey for health reasons. And I love the animals, but I didn't, as, as you said, kind of about your journey, like I didn't really put the two and two together until mm-hmm. a while into it, until I started learning more. But now, like the reason I'm 100% in is because of the animals mm-hmm. and because of the environment as well. Um, so if you don't mind, so we have this 53 reasons to eat more plants. And I'm going to like throw a few at, uh, at you mm-hmm. uh, from each of the categories, the health, the environment uh, and the animals. And if you don't mind, you could speak about them a little sure. bit more. Okay, so for the health, let's start with the obvious. Um, let's see. So optimize the digestion. Mm, I love that one because this is such a hot topic with the microbiome and mm-hmm. the gut-brain connection and gut health and autoimmune diseases. And um, so plants fuel the gut with fiber, which is needed for probiotics. So I, I meet a lot of people who are taking probiotics supplements because it's good for their health. And, um, you know, I really feel like unless you are eating enough fiber, which 
70% or more of Americans don't get enough fiber. It's usually 15 grams a day or less, but the recommendation is like 25 to 30 grams. I think even more is better. Going Depending on who you listen. Yes. Right? Dr. Greger says what 70 grams would be optimal. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, gradually you want to do that, but right. <laughs> yeah, with lots of water. But no, I mean, you're not going to get too much fiber and you get those through plants. You're not going to get it through animal, pro- animal, animal-based products. Um, so that's the first step into healing the gut. And I had mentioned my own personal journey and not having like optimal digestion until I actually went plant-based and I thought I was healthy. And then when I went plant-based, I'm like, oh gosh, I feel really great. Like, you know, I'm not having more belly issues. Um, and this is before probiotics were even a thing, but now that probiotics are a thing and there's so much research to back it, they feed off of the fiber in the gut. And the way that you're gonna get that fiber is through plants. So mm-hmm. it's so important. And then that gut health, and, and everyone's different. So probiotic supplements are great, but you might need a different strain than I need, that somebody else needs. So like one, it's not one pro- probiotic fits everybody. It's not one size fits all. So it's really important just to lay the foundation in your gut and by eating a lot of plants and then high probiotic foods, and then your gut works on its own to create that symbiosis. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's the most important thing for people to start there. Like, I mean, supplements are great if you want to take them, but if you're not eating a lot of fiber, it's really going to be a waste of money. Um, But most importantly, just starting with a plant-based diet, and then probiotic foods, having a couple tablespoons of sauerkraut or kimchi or getting miso in your diet. So just getting a variety of probiotics and then your body is gonna work work out its own gut issues and, and create the symbiosis in your gut. And then from there it translates to focus and memory and you know positive focus and memory and depression it could create it could help with depression that was my next one and i was i'm looking here at the list the depression and anxiety yes, yeah we'll talk more about that anxiety. it's huge with gut health um yeah so alleviates anxiety um arthritis pains like some of the physical symptoms that you're feeling um, autoimmune disorders, heart disease. I mean, anything with the gut can create inflammation. So any, anything related to inflammation, which is a lot of those lifestyle diseases mm-hmm. can be healed. A lot of it can be healed through the gut. Eat more plants. Exactly. <laughs> Bottom line. If, if you haven't gotten the message yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then let's move to the environment. Mm-hmm. Conserving water. Mm-hmm. So important. So the amount of water that it takes to feed cattle and to feed livestock and to um, compare to making, you know, to cultivating plants, a plant-based lifestyle is so much higher than one could even imagine. And, you know, if you think about children and people in in countries that don't have sufficient water supply and the amount of water that it takes to run a a farm with animal agriculture um it's really sad so we could do a lot for if if you're more driven by people than you are animals and you want to help people then that's a cause i mean you can you can help provide more water to people just simply by switching to a plant-based diet because you're conserving so much water and i can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head but you know no, it doesn't the, matter 10 it's, times more water for yeah. um you know so much more no it's yeah it's it's a great great difference how about antibi- antibiotic resistance 
yeah, so when you are eating animal-based products, and many of these animals are given antibiotics to, I mean, it's a cash industry, so they're given antibiotics to preserve the meat and to assure that they are disease-free. Um, and even like a, a, even if they say that they're not giving antibiotics, they are most likely still given antibiotics. Um, and it could be something as well that's in their feed. Mm -hmm. um, so you're ingesting those antibiotics. So you automatically build up an immunity to like in a resistance to these antibiotics and um, it affects your health. So what they're eating and what they're given is directly coming to you through consuming those meat products. I think it's also so scary just to think of what 70 to 80% of all antibiotics produced in the United States is fed, fed to the animals. It's insane. It is crazy. Yeah. And then with all the talk about, you know, what it is that could kill humanity, the antibiotic resistance is like a really, really big fear because we are growing so resistant to antibiotics and then the viruses are also mutating to be smarter and stronger. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they're a lot smarter than us right now, and the amount of antibiotics that are being used in the in, in the animal agriculture industry is just so high that, I mean, we're basically going to have so many new strains of viruses, and we're going to see a lot more illnesses because mm -hmm. of it, and people are not going to be able to fight them off. We're already seeing it. Yeah. And then another uh, point that stood out to me as well is that one of the reasons we are feeding so much antibiotics to the animals that are uh, grown for agriculture is because they're living in such terrible conditions right. that they cannot survive otherwise, that we right. literally have to pump drugs in them just to keep them alive keep them. for long enough. Yeah. And again, like today, chickens grow so, so much faster than they ever grew before. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even, we're not even keeping them long enough to sustain their whole life. We're just keeping them long enough so they can get fed enough for so us that to we can eat, eat them. them. Yeah. Yeah. And that so is just the steroids that are given them and the antibiotics to keep them alive and they're living in their own. I mean, it's just pretty atrocious conditions. They're living in their own feces and that is just a breeding ground for illness. And um, the antibiotics are what, it's a vicious cycle. The yeah. antibiotics are what's what keeping them alive, like you mentioned, and then we are taking all of that in. Um, their living conditions, everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a pleasant, it's not a pleasant industry. And, and going back to your point about health, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize what they're eating. You know, it tastes good to them. And um, they may think that they're feeling okay while eating it, but it's slowly damaging their internal organs and it's mm -hmm. not something you might feel right away you're not going to notice a symptom right away and you if you compared that immediately to plant-based eating and if you felt like what it felt like on a plant-based diet you would know right away right but um but that takes time you know incorporating the plant-based diet and get getting feeling the health benefits but internally it's doing things to your body that you may not feel symptomatic right now but that's what later leads to heart disease diabetes autoimmune disorders and um yeah it's just over time it keeps building up and building up and then before you know it you've got something and then you get medicine Absolutely. and then but yeah but plant-based the plant-based lifestyle is what can prevent that and also cure some of the things you know heart disease and diabetes can reverse it 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I just had uh, Robbie Barbero from um, Mindful Diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the podcast that's releasing next one, I think, or the one before yours. Mm-hmm. And he talks about uh, diabetes and plant-based nutrition. Um, he's very well-versed in that as well. That. Okay, so the last one, uh, not the least one, probably the most obvious one is, is the animals. And I know it's, it may be easier to make a logical um, uh, argument for the cows or the pigs, um, but talk maybe more about the dairy or the egg industry. Yeah. How is that hurting animals? Yeah, I mean, I think the dairy is probably the example that many people don't correlate cruelty to, and um, and it's probably the most devastating industry just because of the cycle. But you know, the cycle of breeding cows so that we can take their milk is—I um, mean, cows are sentient beings, and you know, it's the topic of this conversation. So I'm sure that your listeners are understand that and um but you know there's such a strong bond between a mama cow and the calf that yeah it's just like it's really sends shivers down your spine if you've ever watched the videos or heard a cow scream when her baby is taken away i think that is enough to probably make anyone who has feelings vegan um, or at least give up dairy because um, it's just such a painful experience for them and to have it done over and over and over again um, They go through so much trauma through that and then their baby most likely ends up as veal if it's a male and um, mom is just is Just given basically milked until she can't milk anymore And there's a lot of infection that happens with that for her I mean she's on antibiotics because there's so much infection around the constant um milking of dairy cows and um we it's purely for our consumption and it's just such a sad thing that she has to go through this over and over and it's for something that's not even from our own species so like when you put it in perspective that we are eating we're drinking milk and eating cheese from a species that's not our own it doesn't even really quite make sense Um, Not to mention, like, you know, the health effects of it. But, um, yeah, it's really devastating that just the whole cycle that this cow endures all this suffering for her entire life for us. She's so exploited. Yeah. And I think that, like, anyone who has that maternal instinct can relate to that feeling of, like, a baby taken away from you and um, just what that must feel like for her over and over and over again. I like the fact that you mentioned the maternal instinct part of it because I I don't think I've, I don't have children so I personally haven't thought about that component of it before but I actually spoken to several people who uh, some of them transitioned to vegan diet when they became pregnant mm-hmm. uh, or shortly after they had a child and it was like the the last the dairy piece of it and their main reason being is because they were able to relate so much more of what that feels like mm-hmm. the connection and then what the implications of the child being taken away from the mother are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's, again, that's feeling it on a way different level. Yeah. And it goes back kind of to what we were talking about before is that like people connect on different issues. Right. So that might be a connection for some people, whereas 
you know, maybe it's just the baby cat that's going away to become veal that is a connection with somebody else, or maybe it's, you know, a completely different issue that, you know, somebody mm -hmm. has heart disease in the family and that is what connects for them. You know, it's everyone, I think, it it hits a chord with them for, for different, each person for different reasons. For whatever reason it is, it doesn't even matter what reason it is. If you're going in that direction, it's only going to be beneficial if you're going in the direction of plant-based eating. But, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it does, it, that, I think that visualization of the mama cow can yeah. definitely hit home for anyone who's been a mom. <laughs> but I also like on, on the light note though, going back to the kind of the center room of where all these doors lead to is like, what a perfect intersection of living your values, caring for your own health, caring for animals, caring for environment, caring for the planet, setting a beautiful example for the people around you, and then creating this like beautiful food and being able to share it with the family, then living and breathing the plant-based diet. Like how cool is that? That right. there's like there's no controversy. Right. There's no controversy. Like how many things today are there that there's no controversy about, you know? Right. It's always like a lose win, but this is like the win win situation. There's no con. Yeah, there's no <laughs> it's just it sounds like perfect living and it is. It just it really does. There's just so many benefits to plant based eating on so many different levels. Um, that starts with, you know, whatever your decision is and it goes to your plate and you're feeding your family, like you mentioned, and it just translates it and then you have friends over and you have a party and all the food's vegan and they love what you're doing and right. it's there so just like it's just a snowball effect and continues to spread and it's a positive spreading um you're making people feel better you're helping you're kind of leading by example and helping people feel better and creating a better life for you and your community yeah i love it um, it also always makes me think uh there was like a ted talk about the degrees of separation and how many the influence that you make on people that you don't even know and they did this research and they said basically it takes three degrees of separation um to have for like so social trends to have an impact on you so if the person that you know knows a person who knows a person who is a beast there is like 25 percent there you have 25 percent more probability of becoming a beast without not even knowing that person being three degrees separated from them that's so interesting but it also goes the other way right mm -hmm. so like you but by us just making the choices that ultimately benefit our own health we're also spreading this ripple effects to the people we don't even know who don't even know we exist but then we they are getting better as well yeah yeah so i think it's it goes back to the fact that when some people may say, well, you know, you're being selfish by going to a yoga class or, you know, whatever, making these healthy food choices or spending all this time for cooking for yourself. It's, yeah, maybe for today, but then tomorrow you're going to feel that too. And, mm -hmm. and it's going to, like, the positive waves, waves will ripple down on other people as well. Yeah, I mean, it starts with yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to take care of yourself. So even though um, it does feel a little bit selfish when you're, taking the time to prepare meals or doing good things to make you a better person, but that's only going to help other people around you. Mm -hmm. And it, not because you're telling them to do anything, but just because, you know, if you're kinder to them and more compassionate and they see that you're, again, you're just leading by example and hopefully that becomes contagious and they start, you know, asking questions or just, it just rubs off on people. I don't even think sometimes people don't even realize it. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it happens when you're kinder, then that's reciprocated. 
to you most of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> eventually. Yeah, <laughs> eventually. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. That it definitely so starts with you. I was also thinking, uh, I think every one of us, like in our role, in our activism or the things that we do within the plant-based um, world, we kind of fit the, the a, a piece of the path that people take from the transition, hopefully from transitioning to um, one lifestyle to transition, hopefully to a plant-based lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I know there are like movies like What a Health or there are documentaries like Earthlings or there are people, every person has their own reasons that motivate and inspire them to make the switch. Mm-hmm. But I think there comes a part where their their brain is on board or their intentions are on board, they're ready to make the switch. But then how they how did how do they make it work? What are the logistics mm-hmm. of it? Yes, they are motivated to save the animals, but then they go to the supermarket, hungry with kids screaming in the cart, and then everybody's being frustrated on the timeline, and you don't know what to buy in a grocery store. And I think it's important to not only be motivated, but also have or learn the skills of how to do things. Yeah. And I think that's where your platform comes in. You show people of how, what does it actually look like on, mm-hmm. on day-to-day life. Um, so I know that you do these tours, the grocery store tours mm-hmm. and Whole Foods. And for those who live in Atlanta, is that the Pond City Whole Foods? That's in, it, It's considered Midtown, right? Yes, I think that's Midtown. Yeah, yeah. so it's Midtown-ish, next to Pond City Market. Mm-hmm. And you do these tours, so talk about the tours. Sure. Um, yeah, so I think you're exactly right, like going from... A to Z, like if you're just starting on a plant-based diet and looking at the end of where you want to be can be very overwhelming. Um, so I think it's good to like first like bite off little chunks and take baby, you can take baby steps. Some people do it overnight and that's fine too. I think it's just different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing um, that I think is kind of universal is when, when you're getting into the plant-based diet is learning about all of the vegan options that are in the market. I'm constantly learning myself because there's always a new product. Every time I go to the store, there's something new out there. I'm like, what's this? So, um, and I, and we had the conversation before that each time I go to the grocery store and I'm shopping in the, in the vegan section, there's usually at least like three to five faces that are just blankly staring at the vegan aisle. I love it. I want to do something with this (laughs) aisle, but I don't know yet what I want to do with it or how to use this stuff. So, um, that's kind of what sparked the, the inspiration behind like doing a vegan tour is because I know that a lot of people want to eat more plant-based. Maybe they want to go fully vegan, but they're not really sure where to start. Um, so last year I started the vegan food tours as just a way, it's an hour long tour. We do a food tasting at the end. It's just a way to introduce people to plant-based cheeses, plant-based meats. Um, we talk about probiotic foods too, because well, in, at the Whole Foods at Ponce, at least, that all of that is together. So it just yes. felt like naturally we should talk about that. Um, I mean, of course, like plant-based cheeses and plant-based meats are not whole. I mean, they're plants, but they're not like whole food. I would always advise people to, you know, cook at home and use whole plant-based foods, like, you know, cook with legumes, make lentil tacos or um, or wraps with lettuce leaves and, and, you know, just whole plant-based foods, but that's not always feasible for everybody. And when people Especially are when they're them, just starting, exactly. yeah. Yeah. When they're just starting, um, I think that these plant-based options are amazing. And I even think, I, you know, think they're great even to have not to make a, you know, make them hundred percent of your diet, but mm-hmm. at least to have them like a couple times a week, they're great options. 
and I, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you a little bit, but again, it's also going back to the conversation of motivation. If you're going mm-hmm. to plant-based diet because you love animals and you don't want to eat animals, and maybe if health is not your primary goal in you're, I don't know, you don't have a re, a way, you don't have a goal of being like shredded, perfectly looking right. masculine individual, then, I mean, as long as you're aware of the consequences, eat all the, the plant-based burgers and hot dogs and cheeses you want. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's definitely so much better than eating animal products Absolutely. for your health. And if you're doing it for the animals and these are amazing options, Um, and then if you want to go like a little bit healthier, like I said, you can take baby steps and there's really no perfect way of eating. Like I always feel like, um, people put so much pressure on themselves. Like they have to go right out of the gate eating perfectly. And that doesn't have to be the case on any given day. Um, I think you should just take each meal and each day as it comes and like prepare something, you know, you might have a plant-based meal at one day. And if you can't do that when you're eating out one day, then, you know, forgive yourself. It's okay. You could just go back to the next meal. Um, but yeah, these offer these plant-based substitutes, the cheeses, the meats, and we talk about tofu, we talk about tempeh. I mean, there's some really phenomenal soy-based products that we talk about on the plant-based food tour. Um, the benefits of tempeh and soy products. I think there's also a fear factor with soy products for a lot of people still. Um, so it's getting over that hurdle. Um, and just how to use those products, what to buy, how to look at the ingredient labels um, with the cheeses and you know how they compare with what people are used to eating, mm-hmm. how to prepare some of the plant-based meats. Um, so we kind of talk about all of that and about the individual products and how to use them. And then um, we do a quote meat and cheese tasting after. That's so um, cool. So we'll taste a variety of cheeses, we'll taste a variety because you've got like, you know, creamy, almost like a cream cheese or like a spread type cheese and you've got like your shredded cheeses. So there's different uses for all those cheeses. And, and it's um, so cool for people to be able to try them because, I mean, I feel like there's such a big fear factor around, well, I don't know, it doesn't have dairy in it, what kind of cheese it's going to be, you know, especially right. for the people who are new or even for the people who has been like, I'm not really big and like, I don't even, I wouldn't even be able to name you all of the like vegan cheese brands are because I don't really buy a whole lot of them, mm-hmm. but I would love to like go try different varieties because I shy away from buying new things because I, I, I don't know if I'm going to eat the whole thing because I've never tried it before, right. but like trying things is so cool. So important to try it. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it is an investment. Like people, they're not, I think that they're, they're very well priced now. Like there was a time where all of the, it was such a novelty that it was mm-hmm. expensive, but right now there are so many out on the market that the um, cost is very comparable to traditional cheese, if not less. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really very affordable to eat vegan now, and there are just so many options. But it is important to there's so many so many options out there that it's important to try a couple of different things before you make that commitment. So I know mm-hmm. you know the people value their time and commitment and the money they're making. You know it's it's really you want to make sure you spend it wisely yeah. and, and and something that you like. Um, and you know so how to important. use it after yes, you buy it. Exactly. After you buy it, you don't want it to sit in your refrigerator for two weeks and then you throw it out the expiration date. You want to be able to use it and enjoy it. Like all of that. There's so many factors. You want your whole family to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so there's some, there's definitely a lot of moving components in it, but it's so doable and there are so many phenomenal products out there now. And, um, the vegan food tour is just a way to introduce people to some of those products. And if they're just adding, if they're just substituting a couple nights a week with those products for, for what they would normally, where they would normally have meat on their plate, then that's outstanding. That's great. Start there. 
And then as you get more experience and more custom on how to cook some of the plant-based meals and plant-based products, um, you can start to expand and experiment a little bit more. And that's the fun about plant-based eating too. I mean, there's so many more options than meat options and you can have fun experimenting, but I think it's getting in the, out of that fear zone. Like I have no idea what to do with that. I don't know what's in it. Um, and once you can get past that and you just start little by little experimenting, then like there's just this whole world that's open to you. And before you know it, you're eating all plant-based. You're feeling great. Your whole family's on board and yeah. I love it. So when's the next one? March 9th. March 9th. March 9th at 11 a.m. How do people find it? How do they, how do they say up? That will be on the Purely Planted Facebook site. Okay. Um, I'll include it in the show notes. That's perfect. Thank you. Um, yeah, and then it'll be through Eventbrite. So that, there'll be a link to Eventbrite cool. through the Facebook site on Purely Planted okay. Facebook site. What are some of your uh, favorite recent finds within like vegan products? Oh, Vial Life Cheese. I, lo- no, I mentioned in the beginning that... Um, Parmesan was my last thing to go, and um, they have a Parmesan that's really, really good. <laughs> that they did a really great job, and I love one thing I love from a nutrition perspective is that there's a, there are a lot of different cheeses on the market now, and um, I'll indulge in that like a couple of days a week. Like sometimes I'll do avocado toast, and sometimes I'll put like a, a layer of cheese on the bottom of the avocado toast, and um, but you know. It, I think that one thing that differentiates BioLife is that they add B12 into their products. It's, oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's fortified with B12. So I thought that was so cool that, like, not a lot of cheese companies are doing You, you know, a lot of these companies are phenomenal. They've got, like, the mouthfeel, the taste, and mm-hmm. the ingredients are much simpler than what they used to be when there was when there were plant-based cheeses. Um, so I think they've simplified the ingredients um, and the meltability. Like, there's a lot of qualities in vegan cheese that's phenomenal. That they've got it down now. Um, but BioLife took that extra step and added B12 to it. And I just thought that was really cool that this is a great way um, because it, 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 that's one that's one vitamin that can be difficult for mm-hmm. vegans to get. Um, so that's a great way to get some B12 in your diet through their cheese. What about chocolates? Oh, my gosh. I am on a search for, like, a favorite chocolate right now. <laughs> um, favorite chocolate companies. Um, I did a blog on this recently because I think it's really important to choose ethical, ethically sourced mm-hmm. cacao and chocolate companies because a lot of the chocolate comes from West Africa, which involves a lot of um, child slavery. Um, so it is important to look at the story behind each chocolate company and see there's a couple of different certifications they can get. It could be fair trade or fair for life. Um, or they can, if they don't have that certification, because certifications do cost money and not all small companies can afford that. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they at least have a story and they talk about their bean to bar and how the chocolate, how they have relationships with their farmers and they're paid, they, they're paid fair wages and Mm -hmm. ethically, I think that's still a good choice in terms of taste that has all the qualities like, you know, good taste and they're ethical and simple ingredients. Um, there are a couple of companies. I mean, locally, I love Chocolato. Um, we work with them with Nico Bella. Chocolato is in Crock Street Market. Um, husband and wife team. They're friends of ours. They have phenomenal chocolate products. Um, I don't think I've tried it. They're outstanding. Their chocolate's okay. so good. And they've got different origins. So they've got, um, yeah, they're just, their chocolate's wonderful. They've got a Madagascar bar. That's one of my favorites. Um, they get chocolate from Peru. So, and they work directly with their farmers. Mm-hmm. Um so I do love them. We're talking about local, and they're online too. So people who are not in Atlanta can get Chocolatel. It's X O C O L A T L, I think it is. Um, 
And then I also love, I'm trying to remember the um, Equal Exchange. I love Equal Exchange. Um, they give back to the community. Um, there's also Madagascar. They're like a, uh, I believe they're a co-op farm in, in Madagascar. Um, there's endangered species chocolate, which I think a lot of people know because they're all over and you can get them in just about any grocery store and they really are a great ethical brand that also has really good chocolate. Okay. I was hoping you're going to name them because that's one of my favorites. And I was like, I hope it's good. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. No, they're great. They're, it's a great, they give back to wildlife it. and yeah. animals. So uh, yeah, any yeah, company that gives part. back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it tastes good. Like it tastes yeah, amazing. Only... But yeah, but I, I'm sold because there's like different animals that there are so they have all different kinds of flavors and they have some of them i think most of them are vegan now but not all of them are vegan chocolates right, right. but they do donate uh, uh depending on the flavor that you buy there's a, a certain species of animals that they donate to yes. so yeah i love it i feel like whenever a company gives back on top of like their ethical values and a great tasting product it's just like yes 10 times bonus points like mm -hmm. they're just sold and and what they're doing and just all around a great company well they're they're also b corp certified right mm -hmm. so yeah i think yes. that's that's just that's such a cool and i have this is my favorite magazine i have the conscious company company magazine on, on my table this is basically all about b corps so the, the b certified okay. corporations that are and for those who don't know it's basically the um the companies that are before what is it be certified is, is a certification that is given to the companies who prove that they uh, do something good for this world or give back mm -hmm. to the community beyond just making profit mm -hmm. so basically the way the companies should be <laughs> yeah the way all companies would hope but there are some awesome companies out yeah. there doing that which is fantastic no, that's really cool. Okay, so I know I've kept you here for a long time. So I have one mm -hmm. more question that I usually end the, the podcast with, but I want to see if there's anything else that you wanted to share um, with the listeners or like a final message before I ask my question. I think, I feel like we covered a lot. Thank you, you think? for all your great questions. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So as I said earlier, the, and as you know, the name of the podcast is Follow Your Kind. And it comes from me believing that we are all brought into this world being kind. And sometimes we unlearn ways of being kind. But deep down inside, I think if we were to ask uh, ourselves if we wanted to be kind, I think everybody would say yes. So I think it's just more about exploring our values and then intentionally, intentionally living uh, in alignment with our with our values mm -hmm. and hopefully kindness being one of them. So uh, I'm curious about your definition of kindness and how do you get to follow in your life? Mm, I love that. I love the title of your podcast for that reason. And there, I, yeah, just all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, going back to what's on your plate, I, I know we talked about this the entire time, but it really does... I think make a difference from the point of visualization what's on your plate to taking action and putting something that's good for you because you have to take care of yourself first and and um i think it's just so important before you can actually take care of anyone else and that does start with what you're putting on the plate and i do believe that what you eat is a foundation to healthy living and kindness and when you have um, cruelty-free foods on your plate and those cruelty-free foods are good for you, 
you're being kind to your body and you're being kind to animals and you're being kind to the planet, those three prongs, like you're, they're just kindness all around. There's nothing negative about the plants on your plate. Um, so that I think is the foundation is just what's on your plate. And then from there that translates, I mean, we touched on so many aspects of this in during our conversation. Um, it could translate to your friends and your family and you're just like spreading that love all around um, and creating a community that's like you're just planting seeds basically you know once you start doing that for yourself you're being kinder to yourself and then you want to share that kindness with other people um, it just goes it just continues to spread those seeds continue to spread and then yoga too I mean we talked about that I think that there's an element of um, mindfulness and meditation and yoga and just moving and just kind of getting in tune with yourself. Um, again, just creating compassion for yourself translates to others and that's what yoga and mindfulness can do. Mm-hmm. So maybe just having like a morning practice, it could literally be like a two minute ritual. It's just like a moment of silence, a moment of gratitude, whatever that is. I feel like just sets the pace for the day. For me personally, I just feel like mornings are a great time to do that because you're out to like face the world that can be extremely overwhelming and you're going to have a lot of things thrown at you. Mm -hmm. And if you can at least control what's on your plate and put good things into your body that are going to create good vibes and just make you feel your best. And then you also have like a little you know, short morning ritual that can kind of set the pace for the day, then you're already like equipped to handle a lot that comes your way. And that translates to kindness. I mean, then you can treat people more kindly. You have better connections and um, you're not in a reactive mode. You can pause and do things more thought, you know, react more thoughtfully or respond more thoughtfully, I should say. and then it translates to everybody, you know, everyone mm-hmm. else catches on and it becomes contagious. I love it. I love it. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for your time today and for sharing your wisdom. I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure Thank it's not going to be the last time we're talking. And I'll make sure to include all of the links that we talked about in the show notes. Thank you so much, Katrina. It's so good to be here. Yes. Thank you so much for your insight too. Thank you. Thank you.